Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. This is the first episode I've recorded since I released all five as my little, you know, Netflix drop. And I must say, thank you so much for I've gotten such great support and feedback from friends and not even friends that have been bugging in real life, strangers on the internet who've discovered me. And that really makes me very, very, very happy. I've gotten a lot of really cool feedback. Thank you very much. I want to make sure this podcast is as entertaining and as intriguing as it can be. So... Let's get down to it. Today's episode, season one, episode six, is One-Eyed Jack. This is going to be a fun one. That's actually my first note, is that it's nice, you know, next week is not going to be fun, just FYI. I will obviously be putting trigger warnings. This week and episode eight, fun times. So I'm going to actually use the DVD description that I have on my original Universal Canada Miami Vice release from 2005. Thanks to a bungling internal affairs officer, Crockett is falsely accused of taking bribes while trying to help an ex-girlfriend escape the clutches of a powerful bookie, guest star Dennis Farina. Meanwhile, Emmy winner Edward James Olmos joins the cast as the shrewd, taciturn Lieutenant Castillo. And if you're wondering what taciturn means, uh, someone doesn't really speak that much. So basically, Lieutenant Castillo in a nutshell. Opening shot, I took about a picture and two gifts of this um we see cats we see beautiful white cats a cigar a bookie a very loud bookie with his phone off the hook um just amazing shot i count four cats i did my due diligence i took a gif of the cats and i also took a picture and added arrows to point out all the cats in question some would say it's a gaggle of cats (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, Tubbs and Crockett are playing around. Tubbs is the GQ cover boy as he gets in the way of Crockett's shot. Crockett's not really happy to do this stakeout, and he's going to let you know why in a second. Hey, listen to you, white bread. Kicking up the deck shoes, taking in the rain, getting paid, genuine corner of the realm for it. What do you do? Complain, complain, complain. Who cares about busting some small fried bookie who's never going to roll over? And pray tell, why are we here, huh? Because once a year, the commissioner gets on his hobby horse, rounds up all the gambling lowlife, and then tells the taxpayers he's this close to busting Albert Lombard. (laughs) White bread. (laughs) Tubbs is so... I love Tubbs' one-liners. So not only aside from Crockett being white bread... (laughs) We're introduced to this idea of a character, Albert Lombard. If you have already binged the show, you know what I'm talking about. But we'll leave that aside for now. So as we're kind of spying on them, Tubbs notices a woman come into the office. Remarks that she's kind of Crockett's type. Uh Uh-oh. He recognized her. She is pleading with this bookie. And this is also what I'm trying to gather from it. Let me play you this clip and then we'll talk about this after. It's Miami in three. I'll let you keep the three. Uh... So if you already owe a bookie money, yeah, of course, she's not going to let him keep the three. Basically, he's going to let her live or let her keep her limbs or let her keep, as we just learned, her. they stole her husband's tools as collateral. So I don't understand that phrasing of I'll let you keep the three. No, you owe him everything. You are in deep. You do. This is why you do not use a loan shark. Well, sadly, she's not heeding my advice over 30 years in the past. One of his goons comes in, threatens to rough her up, and that just because she's a woman doesn't mean that she's immune from the violence that other people who can't pay their loans back would be facing. So Crockett and Tubbs luckily cross the body of water, get to the 
office on top of this restaurant, go into a brawl. It's kind of like a little, I don't want to say kooky, but like it's like high energy music, kind of fun. It, it, like I laughed. I laughed when I saw this scene. And basically like everyone is just kind of at the restaurant, just obviously bolted out of their tables as this brawl has commenced, just watching it happen. So they end up booking this goon and Crockett makes eye contact with the woman he knows. Cut to the intro. Back from the intro, they're walking on the dock. And she's looking very nice. She's in this like very pretty dress with heels. And I'm just like, oh, God, <laughs> it's not the place to be walking in white heels. Um, another thing I will get to this episode is that there's not a lot of breathable, breathable fabric in these outfits. And I just feel very bad for everybody involved because I know what it's like to wear a dress with synthetic fabric and you smell and it's like somewhere you can't go shower, <laughs> such as my brother's wedding. I do apologize. <laughs> there's a couple other pictures I'll, I'll point out on the gallery if you could just see people sweating I was like oh yeah this is let's get some linen let's get some cotton let's get some breathable natural fabrics no more synthetic stuff so I digress they're talking kind of talking about how they've known each other for a while and the last time they saw each other was at an event I do not think I would invite my ex-boyfriend to let's see the last time I saw you was at your wedding I think when was that Eight years ago. Wait, 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 wait. I have a ton of notes. Can you imagine? Can, I, I can't imagine asking if I were to be married. I can't imagine asking my fiance, hey, so on the guest list, my ex-boyfriend's coming. You know, maybe he'll just think, oh, whatever. You know, some guy you did in high school. No, he's Don Johnson in his prime. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine having... I would never, I would never let my fiance invite their super hot ex to the wedding. Maybe like, you know, like a friend of a friend and they kind of dated in high school for a little bit, but not someone who's like the equivalent of Don Johnson in 1984. And fortunately, her husband, <laughs> very nice, very loyal family man, not even the same level of handsomeness as Don Johnson. So scandalous wedding guests aside, let's get back to the plot. Crockett asks her, her name is Barbara, how much is she in deep for? How long did this start? She starts mentioning names, Vincent DeMarco, who is a, you know, kind of scumbag bookie who works for a gentleman named Al Lombard. Guess, unfortunately, Sonny also has some more advice that I had as to not get involved with these people a little too late. He explains a little bit more about Al Lombard and why he's someone you don't want to cross in this next clip. Lombard's the kind of guy. You could steal his wife, you can run off with his daughter, but you mess with his money. That's it. He's owed, he's paid. Yeah, sadly for her, this is kind of the same thing I said. Don't mess with people, don't borrow money you cannot pay back. Do not borrow money from someone or a predatory payday loan or a loan shark. Please ask anybody else, ask every family member, ask every friend. Please, please, please. Go to a credit union if you can. Just stay away from payday loans and low sharks. I guess that's my the more you know of the day. So in short, she's screwed. She doesn't want to go after these men legally because they already know she already knows how they're gonna act. Crockett proposes something I'm sure her husband would love. We'll protect you. You gonna move in with us? I'm sure her husband would love that. Obviously, that does not happen. 
They basically come to a standstill. Barbara, Sonny's ex, does not want to press charges against these men. She doesn't want to anger them any further. She just wants them to return her husband's tools so he can continue running and operating and working at his business to provide for her and her family and hopefully pay off the debt. So they're at a standstill. Next scene, we're in the precinct at OCB. A new face comes in the door, trying to ask people where his office is, ends up using, I don't want to say, it sounds like a dog whistle, but it's just him whistling. Everybody turns around, and then he can finally get some answers. I'm Lieutenant Castillo, your new boss. Can someone tell me where my office is? Um, in the corner. Thank you. Not really there to goof off, joke around, chit-chat like everybody else. Everybody in this scene is dressed amazingly. I took lots of pictures. Trudy and Gina look really cute. Tubbs looks really good. Crockett looks very good in pink, and I made a gif of him. It's, I, don't, I think it's just a water cup. I don't see any coffee in there, but it's supposed to be a coffee and a cigarette. <laughs> it's like, who among us hasn't? Everybody looks great in this scene. And then, so, speaking about the new kid in school, let's see what they all have to say. That's the new lieutenant? It's kind of cute, don't you think? Not my type. <laughs> Crockett has a lot of good one-liners this episode. So, Tubbs also likens Castillo to Charles Bronson by way of Havana, which is actually a very good way of putting it. Next scene, completely different. Got some boobs. Got some girls. Got, like, a couple guys in there, too. All to the tune of New Girl Now by Honeymoon Suite, which is the first CanCon song I have noticed in the series so far. So I took two ep- six episodes. Very proud. But I'll talk about all that later on when we get to music. So the picture I took for the episode <coughs> is fits it to Marco with a, with a landline phone. Like he had to have a wire that wasn't a cell phone. Cell phones, a lot of rich people did have cell phones or car phones back in the day. Obviously, this guy was not, even though he's like a bookie for a big guy, he was not at the level. So (laughs) Crockett wants to go talk with him, convince him to do right, return the husband's tools. That's another very funny conversation. I'm going to play this clip. Excuse the hell out of me. You must be Vincent DeMarco, the nuclear physicist, not Vincent DeMarco, the sleazoid loan shark. Hey. Somebody had cash out on the street. The second somebody who owed cash didn't pay, pretty soon word would get out. It's okay not to pay back this first somebody what he's owed. Bad business. Well, Vincent DeMarco was not wrong that in his line of work, he can't really afford to waver. So, that I understand. Crockett tells him he's got to return the tools or else he promises that he's going to use all his resources and all his time to putting him behind bars. Crockett <laughs> butts out his cigarette in what I cannot, I, it looks to me like cottage cheese, but there is a maraschino cherry on top of it, which is making me think it's an ambrosia salad. An ambrosia salad is really gross. It's basically Miracle Whip, oranges, like fruit and cherries. But this looks like cottage cheese with a maraschino cherry on it. So I'm very perplexed as to what it is. But however, it's now ruined because Crockett has just butted his cigarette on it. <laughs> Look at the gallery because I, I I kind of proposed that too when I put on Imgur. I was like, what is this? So a gentleman, an older gentleman by the name of Al Lombard, a.k.a. Dennis Farina in real life, rest in peace, comes over to check in 
on Vincent and Vincent says he might have a problem. Dun, dun, dun. Cutscene to Elvis gone wild again. Turns out Elvis has um, surprised, <laughs> surprised a neighbor at a party. And two game wardens are there to take him in. An animal, Bub. You can't have him living on a boat. He's going to be tagged and released in the Everglades. Where's he going to get crumb donuts in the Everglades? Not that I support keeping wild animals in captivity, but this animal was a former mascot at a southern football school. He has not really been raised in the wild. So Elvis might not have the skills and the socialization um, and the wherewithal to survive in the wild. So Crockett is making a valid point, does try to reason with the game wardens that Elvis is actually a police gator working with the vice department, but shows Tubbs's ID, which, you know, just might be like a prop thing, which whatever. Again, this was 1984. They weren't expecting us to go in and examine everything under a magnifying scope. Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. I'll never get tired of that clip. So coming back to that, the game wardens, you know, he's talking with them, kind of explaining his case, which I understand they're feds. Do not mess with game wardens. They're feds and they have a lot of power and they are not afraid to use it as they should because animals are important. And they should be protected. There's a crowd behind the game wardens as he's showing his badge and speaking out loud. Like he's not speaking in hushed tones or whispering or saying like, hey, I got to tell you something like he is announcing this quite broadly to who I'm assuming are his neighbors that he's a vice cop. So I thought that was kind of the point in Heart of Darkness that the FBI was kind of baiting out his scene by being there. So I don't know the ramifications or maybe things are more relaxed or maybe the writers figured that it would kind of be a tough plot point to keep. But in the end, Crockett is allowed to keep Elvis. He brings Elvis back onto the boat. He has a big bag of kibbles and bits for him. Great clip of Crockett tossing the kibbles and bits and Elvis just grabbing it one shot in his jaw. You can see that at the gallery. Very clever. He's on his giant cell phone. And the next scene, Crockett is meeting up with DeMarco again. DeMarco gives Crockett an envelope of cash, tells him that they already sold the tools, but this is the money that they were able to um, get from the sale of the tools. Crockett tells him to leave Barbara alone. However, at that time, Internal Affairs shows up. It is Dan Hadaya, also known as Cher's dad, also known as the dad at Night at the Roxbury. He is the Internal Affairs agent who is busting Crockett right now for supposedly taking a bribe. While he's reading him his rights, which are not Miranda rights, they're shorter, more condensed rights, basically just saying, you know, you have the right not to speak with me, you have the right to an, a, a lawyer, and basically that's kind of it. Like, there's nothing there's nothing more. Basically, ask if he understands. Kind of like a condensed version. Maybe because it's eternal affairs versus a cop, it doesn't have to be Miranda rights, which are to from cops to citizens. So maybe that's it. And we kind of end that scene with Crockett getting arrested at the precinct in front of everybody in the office, which I think is very, very, very inappropriate and weird. I would assume that Eternal Affairs would like to keep things more on the down low, or maybe they just want to make an example out of Crockett to deter other police from possibly being dirty or taking bribes like they assume Crockett is, which we know is not the truth. 
So here's a little clip, and here's where we get the name of the episode. Detective Crockett's cases, he's being reassigned to administrative duties. Detective Crockett is a one-eyed jack. We only see that side of him that he wants us to see. Well, even though Internal Affairs thinks that we all know it's BS. And Castillo is reading the subpoena, and he asks, why is John Doe listed on the subpoena? Basically, Schroeder is his name, but I'm just going to keep calling him Cher's dad. Cher's dad retorts that they knew someone was working undercover. They didn't know who, so basically setting up this sting operation. DeMarco, the scumbag we saw from earlier, plea bargain, so was working with Schroeder and set up Crockett. Cher's dad's reasons is that Crockett met with Barbara and after meeting with her, she declined to press charges and then later was caught accepting this envelope full of cash. So they're conflating what actually happened. But again, it doesn't look that great on paper. Unfortunately, having someone who's already at the mercy of internal affairs or the DA or whatever short it really is. Um, is not really helping Crockett much in this situation. I guess, well, because there's a new lieutenant, they did not learn that Crockett does not do desk work. We learned this, Cawthorne's return, part one, the hit list. Crockett is not, he's made He's made for the streets, as the kids would say nowadays. <laughs> so Casillo's, he's not budging on it. He's not going to let him actually go out there. But Crockett is going to break some rules. He is going to meet with Barbara's husband, Talk about get a little bit more of reasoning, explanation. Husband, not nearly as handsome as Don Johnson, sadly, unfortunately, explains her addiction and that he's committed to her, that she's tried to file for divorce before in order to kind of um, get the family out of this situation. And he's refused. Seems like a very good stand up guy. Um, Still looking for her. There's no they haven't seen her in a couple hours. So Crockett asks the husband, Jerry, to call once he gets a hold of her. They hop back in the car. Sorry, by they, I mean Crockett hops back in the car with Tubbs. Is about to put an APB out on. Barbara realizes he can't. Oh, I forgot. I'm not a cop anymore. Do me a favor. Put out an APB on Barbara Carroll. So Tubbs puts out the APB and then also tells Crockett that he's got a little bit of intel from his Y-Tech about a poker game that's going on at this club called the Trident. And for Barbara, we see her... On the corner, a nice corner. Sorry, let me let me explain that. It's like a nice downtown corner of Miami. Talking with DeMarco, offers him $400. And he declines, invites her to get in the car, and they can figure out another way to solve this. Jumping from that to super fun 80s nightclub. <laughs> The Trident is super cool. Trident is getting like a nine. No, maybe not nine. Like an eight out of ten of cocaine palace chic. Lots of it could have a little bit more lights, a little bit more glass blocks is basically my only gripe with it. I really like the logo. You can see the logo above in the picture I took where Tubbs is playing poker. Tubbs gets four queens, which is a really good hand. I've never I used to play, obviously, you know, in the mid 2000s or 2010s as they call it. I used to play poker with guys I was dating and whatever. They're friends. And I never got that good of a hand. I would, I think I got three of a kind one time when I was playing with my friend Christina and her dad, and he was really impressed. I was like, no, 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 no. Like I never have this good luck. So that is a very lucky hand. 
Then he's making small talk with DeMarco and he goes to go get his chips changed at the bar. So while the bartender is getting his money ready, Tubbs has a little backstory, he says he's from Philly, um, that they kind of have him on like some BS charges that they're not going to stick. And he's also telling DeMarco that he can recognize that this is one of Lombard's setups. They make a joke about there being too much humidity. Ha 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 ha. And then this is also another like fun quote I liked. If Miami doesn't have it, nobody's thought of it, which I think is very apropos for 1980s Miami. However, let's uh, slow things down a bit. Crockett's heading home, feeling a little defeated, and he notices that there's dinner set up on his boat. And Wonderful Tonight by Eric Clapton is playing. And Gina's getting dinner ready. She's lighting a candle. What's the occasion? Oh, I just thought you might be in the mood for a little uh, company tonight. I had to cut that clip short because of a copyright on YouTube. But basically, he says good timing. And they make out. Spend a beautiful, fabulous night together that we cannot see because it's network television in the 80s. The next morning, Tubbs is super excited, comes knocking on the houseboat. Crockett's in little blue shorts, like boxers? No, they look like little shorts. Uh, and Gina is wearing a Gators jersey. So I know a lot of you kind of associate the Gators with white or blue uniforms. But I actually took notes of this between 1979 and 1989. The Gators, the Florida Gators, were wearing orange jerseys. I don't know who number 53 is. I tried to look into it. I couldn't see a name on the back. We know that it's not Crockett's number because Crockett was actually 88. He was a wide receiver. So I don't know who this mysterious gentleman is. Maybe this is one of his friends or, you know, someone he really admired growing up when he was just, you know, a little boy in the South watching Gator games. So not sure. Uh, So Tubbs is really excited. He wanted to go see Crockett, show off his money, and he wanted to make sure he got his references straight. One of his references is in jail, not talking to anybody on the phone. Again, this is the 80s. Um, the other reference is good to go. Tubbs pulled in $2,700, which in today's money is $7,372.79. That is quite good for just what, like two hours of poker? He wasn't even there that long. So good for Tubbs. However, as they're kind of joking around, Crockett wants half of it. Gina answers the cell phone. I tried so hard. I could not do it. I just got a picture of it. I was trying to get the GIF of Gina pulling out the antenna of the cell phone and answering it. It's Switek. Unfortunately, Switek is calling with bad news that they found Barbara's body in the swamp. Five shots to the head with the 22. Execution style. When the whole team gets to the swamp, Crockett's really frustrated. Him and Tubbs are talking with Castillo about that they think that Lombard's behind this. Castillo isn't buying it. Five shots in the back of the head with a 22. Outfit trademark. Lombard. Anybody can buy a 22. Hey, what side are you on? Don't ever come up to my face like this again, detective. Come on. Oh, that's the famous scene. I took a picture. I think I also took a gif where Tubbs gets right in Castillo's face and you can see Crockett in the background. And apparently this was ad-libbed. So Crockett really is, sorry, it's Don Johnson, Crockett, whatever. Crockett really is that mad and storms off. Uh, so I, I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, very interesting first day at the office, if I were to say so myself. 
Well, now back to Lombard. So now that Tubbs has his references all straight, he's getting introduced to Lombard. Lombard tries to make small talk, asks about Philly. Tubbs obviously says, you know, most of the actions in Atlantic City, which like, duh. <laughs> Hasn't Atlantic City been like the hotspot for gambling for on the East Coast for quite a long time? Uh, there's a little bit of casual 80s racism, which I did not add. I did not really think that I don't want to hurt people's feelings. You know, I know stuff may seem funny to us now, but it could still really hurt someone's feelings. So I just didn't add it. But Tubbs decided to grace us with a secret skill that none of us really knew we had. <laughs> Very good. Have a drink. Salud. Salud. So while they're talking, I decided to take a couple pictures and put arrows next to all the sweat stains on poor Dennis Farina's shirt. I've been there. I have been smelly. I sweated. I used to sweat a lot as a kid. I don't know why now it's not as bad. I think also just the humidity in the summer in Canada is not really believed. Like people don't really believe that it gets humid and sticky and disgusting. Like. I've walked around, just like done an errand or two outside and you get like this little sweat mustache on your lip. Like it gets gross. And I don't even have a lot of hair on my lip. Like I'm blonde. So just don't underestimate Canadian humidity on the East Coast. So I feel for him. That's why I'm not trying to make fun of him. I'm trying to encourage all of you, myself included, to wear natural fabrics that are breathable so we don't smell and we don't sweat through everything. So while Tubbs is playing his game, we're back at the precinct and Schroeder is going through all the files. Zito's not really feeling it. Nobody really is. But Castillo tells them to back off that he's doing his job. And Schroeder decides to remind Crockett to buy a tie. Since, you know, as you can tell by Crockett's dress, he doesn't, he's not really a soon tie guy. But yeah, Schroeder decides to be a jerk and remind him about his hearing the next day. The only kind of good news that he does get in this scene is that Gina comes by to tell him that there was no sign of struggle. She didn't really suffer. It was instant. But some bad news is that they last saw that they last tracked her car on Miami Boulevard. No prints, nothing. So they have no way of pinning this on Lombard or his guys, unfortunately. And Tubbs comes in dancing. He's going to uh, do a little bit more business with DeMarco tonight. I didn't include pictures of this because they're going to a cockfighting game. And it didn't look like those were fake birds. <laughs> I do not know how uh, if there was an animal handler on set. So I know in the British DVDs, apparently they nix them, these scenes. So basically, in short, the guy who's running the cockfighting game Usually they pull in around like 12000 a night. But this guy, Angel, who owes Vince money, is short. He says it's slow, even though the place is packed. So we know something's off. So Tubbs talks to him. Angel tells him that he's in for about six k. Tubbs assumes and asks him if he's throwing his own games, to which he doesn't really answer. But Angel has $4,000 tonight. Tubbs says he's going to cover him the other two. And to tell anybody who asked that he paid DeMarco and Lombard off in full. So, in short, Tubbs is going to cover him $2,000. Angel's going to give him the $4,000 to make it $6,000 to make his debt completely repaid to Al Lombard and DeMarco. Once Tubbs comes out of that room, 
he tells Vincent that he was able to get the money and he was able to get the 4K. Hmm. So I want you to keep that fact about the $2,000 that's not accounted for for the rest of this episode. But first, let's have a little bit of fun. We are going to dance. We're going to dance. There's this beautiful woman in this one-shouldered red silk. It doesn't even look like it's silk. It kind of looks like it's like a costume. She's dancing. Everyone's dancing to Jump by the Pointer Sisters. Tubbs is dancing with a beautiful woman. Everyone's having a blast. Vincent is talking to his boss, Al, that Richie, or Richard, is his undercover name, Tubbs, has a real way with people and was able to get the money back. And in short, Tubbs tells Lombard that he was able to get the $6,000 back and gave it to Vincent. But however, Vincent only gave Lombard $4,000. Dun, dun, dun. So Tubbs, once he finally gets Vincent alone, explains to him the setup. Vincent doesn't think that Lombard's going to believe him. But as Tubbs puts it, Lombard will never believe you. You want to bet your life on it? You're willing to bet your life? Vincent? <laughs> and so after that exchange, Tubbs hands Vincent his business card says to call him. We end that scene. We go back to the precinct where Schroeder calls Crockett out in front of everybody for skipping his preliminary hearing. Castillo is not having any of it. So it turns out that Castillo actually did do some research on Crockett and looked into his files and realized that there's nothing dirty. There's nothing sketchy about any of Crockett's past. Cusses out Schroeder. That's the end of that. And then as Tubbs comes in, he gets a call from Vincent DeMarco. DeMarco was freaked out, can't get a hold of Lombard. So Tubbs is able to convince him to come in, come into the precinct and explain what's going to happen. 12 o'clock lunch. I'm going to be wearing an Armani blazer. You're going to be wearing a wire. It's called incriminating evidence, Vinny. And you're going to get it for us. We'll have plenty of backup, babe. We don't want a first-class citizen like yourself getting hurt. Sure, you would. Forget it. I'm not doing it. I'm not signing nothing. On what we know now, a court order will rescind the immunity from prosecution Schroeder got for you on racketeering charges. Ah, racketeering and RICO. What does that mean? Especially if you're not from the States, I'll give you a little... Well, this is basically what I've learned from TVs. So RICO stands for the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act. And it's U.S. federal law that provides for extended criminal penalties and a civil cause of action for acts performed as part of an ongoing criminal organization. And more Wikipedia legal school. When the U.S. attorney decides to indict someone under RICO, they have the option of seeking a pretrial restraining order or injunction to temporarily seize a defendant's assets and prevent the transfer of potentially forfeitable property, as well as require the defendant to put up a performance bond. This provision was placed in the law because the owners of mafia-related shell corporations often absconded with the assets. An injunction or performance bond ensures that there is something to seize in the event of a guilty verdict. In many cases, the threat of a RICO indictment can force defendants to plead guilty to lesser charges, in part because the seizure of assets would make it difficult to pay a defense attorney. Despite its harsh provisions, a RICO-related charge is considered easy to prove in court since it focuses on patterns of behavior as opposed to criminal acts. 
this also makes sense. I basically know from Rico. I know Rico from Sons of Anarchy. Uh, my favorite tweet from last year. <laughs> I'm going to put in the gallery of this angry cat and the captions. <laughs> this cat looks like he's watching his best friend testify him in a Rico trial. So now it makes more sense why it's easier to get people to turn because the penalties could be so grand. And if you can't even afford to pay for a defense attorney, you may at least kind of get out by the skin of your teeth. However, snitching on criminals, especially in the mafia, requires a lot of protection. So I think that's why they're also using that threat of, you know, we could be able to rescind that protection for you, Vincent DeMarco, if you don't play along and you're screwed. So in the end, Vincent DeMarco signs his confession. They hand it to Schroeder basically telling Schroeder to shove it. <laughs> and then the next day, Rico is going to the yacht with Vincent DeMarco. Vincent's wearing a wire. Tubbs has lots of security around and surveillance. You got Crockett. You got Lester in the same boat in the stinger. You got Trudy and Gina looking amazing. Basically kind of as like lifeguards, but they're not wearing lifeguard uniforms. They're just beautiful women in swimsuits standing by a ladder. And then you got Zito and Switek as well. So you got like you're kind of all your bases covered for this yacht. However, surprise, as soon as they get on the yacht, Lombard casts off, which is kind of ruining Vice's plan of surveilling the scene. Not only that, so they're casting off onto the yacht. They're kind of making chase. Jerry, Barbara's husband, has snuck onto the yacht as well, and Crockett is able to see it. Crockett and Lester speed off in the stinger. Crockett walks on the nose of his boat to hop onto the yacht to try to prevent anything more from happening with Jerry's actions. However, during the same time, Lombard wants to bring up this $2,000 discrepancy and pours Vincent a very, very, very heavy glass of whiskey. My boyfriend pointed this out. He's like, it's all the way to the top. It's like six fingers full of whiskey. It's really funny. I definitely took a picture of that. And so as the discussion's getting like a little bit more heated, Vincent drops the bomb that he's wearing a wire. It wasn't my idea. They made me out. Look. It wasn't my idea. They made me. All units, move in. Code red, move in. Yeah, so basically there's a lot going on. You have... Now he knows that Tubbs is a cop. Vincent is now a snitch. Sorry, maybe I should use a better word for that. But he's wearing a wire. And then you have this wild card, Jerry, who's on the yacht looking to avenge his wife's murder. So you got a whole lot on there. This is why the Vice Squad's trying to get in there and kind of squash this. But by the time they get there, standoff's already begun. Jerry shoots Vince. Lombard, everyone else is okay. Tubbs orders the other cops to arrest Lombard. And Lombard shoots them down real quick. Handcuff them and book them. On what charge? Conspiracy to commit lunch? I'll be out on time for my two o'clock racquetball game. Wow. Well, that's super frustrating. I'm sure Croc and Tubbs are really pissed about that one. And Jerry has just killed this man in front of cops and just tells Crockett that he had to do it. So we end on that really sad note. Last scene of the episode is Crockett and Tubbs on the boat talking about 
what Jerry's future will be, you know, no previous charges, no previous convictions, unsound mind, you know, family hardship that he's probably going to get a big sentence, but hopefully the judge will go easy on him. And then that Lombard is probably going to get out. Like what's he's, he's right. Like what, what's going to stick to him? Unfortunately with these big guys, they seem to have this pattern that they can't get anything to stick. And that is obviously the point of the mafia or the point of organized crime is that you don't have the charges stick and that someone else can take the fall, that you can shift things around and make things, work in your favor but i can understand how despondent and angry crockett and tubs are so crockett proposes a mood booster uh 10 o'clock at night and you want to go fishing it's called sanity maintenance tubs (laughs) (laughs) and then they kind of joke back and forth uh he tells tubs to cast off the bow and obviously wait what what is that the, the front of the boat you know if you if you're not if you don't have your sea legs you have no idea what any of those words mean and growing up in new york and brooklyn you know tubs is just from a different world so i thought that was a really nice way to end the episode uh it was actually a very fun episode a little sad at times but you got two big guest stars you got dennis farina and then you have edward james almost who is permanently joining the cast like that's super cool Yay, and that's the episode. So not really a lot of Vice Tea, so I'm not going to play my little Vice Tea intro because there wasn't really too much on Dennis Farina. Seems like a pretty good guy. Um, The cool thing was that he actually was a cop in real life. He was working um, like logistics with Michael Mann on the set of Thief and then was brought in to star Miami Vice. He also starred in Crime Story, which I just learned is streaming on Pluto TV. So I'll finally be able to watch it. I've been looking for that to stream for forever. And of course, in Manhunter alongside William Peterson. Uh, rest in peace, Dennis Farina. I think I do. I think he's kind of hot. I don't know if it's just like it's the voice and just like the salt and pepper. But yeah, I think he's a cutie. Edward James almost, of course, this is his start. This is his start on Miami Vice. Obviously, he's gone on to do a ton of other things. Depends on also like kind of what region of the world. A lot of my friends in Canada would know him from Battlestar Galactica. Obviously, here in Los Angeles, I know him as Selena's dad and Jaime Escalante from Stand and Deliver. And also Stand and Deliver, when I was reading up on that on IMDb, I learned that he was actually, Edward James almost was a stand-up comedian in real life. And that's why he had all those like, kooky jokes in the movie which i thought was interesting and now on to best dressed i'm sorry i still have not found the perfect sound bite to introduce that for best dressed mine was the girl in the red dress in the gif at the nightclub and it was like the one shouldered red i don't i don't really know what fabric that is it's not speaking of not breathable fabrics that was definitely not a breathable fabric but then also i really liked crockett with the teal undershirt and the white, very light, more of like an overcoat, not so much a blazer when they're in the swamp. Um, so that was like kind of my tie. Two very different colors, but like both work so well in that person. And the music. All right. So like I mentioned, New Girl Now by Honeymoon Suite was playing during the swimsuit montage. If you don't remember, this is what it sounds like. They were a band out of Niagara Falls, if I remember correctly. 
Honeymoon Suite was basically kind of because a lot of people would go on their honeymoons in Niagara Falls. So it's kind of a play on that. Maybe they're not from Niagara Falls proper. Or maybe they're from Welland or St. Catherine, but basically they're in like the greater Niagara region. Um, and they had a lot of hits in the 80s, especially in Canada. I've kind of a very similar sound. So Stay in the Light. Uh, Feel It Again is actually a very cute one that I like. And of course, New Girl Now. Don't really know what they're up to nowadays. I think they were still touring maybe before I left Toronto, which was around like 2014. So if you have any Vice Tea on Honeymoon Suite, please let me know. Other songs, obviously, Jump by the Pointer Sisters when we're at that nightclub. And La Vecinita by Papo Cadena was uh, during the poker scene. And then, of course, Wonderful Tonight by Eric Clapton is playing when Crockett and Gina are having their little candlelit romantic dinner, which I thought was very sweet and a great use of that song. And now my Faye Five. Hopefully they're your Faye Five as well. And listen to you, white bread. Out of all the one-liners and quotes this episode, that I think takes the top spot. (laughs) Also, I added a picture of them. They look very handsome. Uh, This is when kind of Tubbs jokes that he's on the cover of GQ when he gets in the way of the camera. And also it just starts raining out of nowhere and they kind of don't even notice. Like you can tell they're just so acclimatized to Miami and like the fr- frenetic weather that they just brush it off, which I think is super cool. Number two, uh, Catman. This man has four white fluffy cats in his office. Maybe it's his home. I'm assuming it's his office. Kudos to him. I would say it's a gaggle of cats. That is actually my friend's cat TikTok that has lots of great cat content. If you would like to follow, that is a shameless plug. But yes, I love I love a man who loves cats. Number three, Castillo is not having it. Castillo is not here to play. He is not here to make friends. Number four, the decor of the Trident. Like I said, maybe like an eight out of 10 of like cocaine palace score. I love the logo in neon at the top, though. Chef's kiss. And my last number five of the Fae Five, Trudy and Gina undercover in swimsuits looking amazing. Trudy's silver bikini, ah, gorgeous. Well, that's the end of the episode. Thank you for joining me on the ride as we broke down and had fun with One-Eyed Jack. Next week is a little bit of a tough and sad episode. Just FYI, I will be putting trigger warnings And then the next episode after that is The Great McCarthy, which uh, features cuckolding and speedboat racing. Lots of fun. Thank you again for joining me. You can find me on everything social. And by everything, I mean TikTok and Instagram and YouTube at Vice and Easy Podcast. And don't forget to visit the website at viceandeasypodcast.com. You can see the gallery of everything I've talked about in this episode, pictures, gifts, all that fun stuff. Thank you so much for joining. And don't forget. Hey man, Miami Wise is number one new show.